Welcome back to another video here on Financial Friends. Today, we are going to be diving into this week in finance, and boy, was it an absolute crazy one. This is the video slash podcast series I do here on Financial Friends, covering all the things that piqued my interest over the course of a week in the financial world. Go ahead and drop your comments down below as this video goes along. If you're excited for this, hit that like button, and if you're not already, it's free. You should go ahead, hit that subscribe button, help support the channel. I am on the road to 1,000 friends, 1,000 community members, and hoping to hit that by the end of this year. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into some logistics. The NFL, 3M, Facebook or Meta, Amazon, Apple, and Alphabet earnings, JetBlue. We're going to talk about it all. So first things first, logistics. I am not going to be discussing any big dividend stock earnings over the course of this video. Why? Because I am going to talk about all of those on Tuesday in the dividend journey. So again, if you're not subscribed, all the more reason to do so. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, and you'll know when that video comes out. Also, in terms of GDP numbers, Federal Reserve interest rate hikes, um, some consumer price increases and in other dividend paying companies, more consumer-based companies raising prices, all of that was discussed in a video prior to this one, so that'll be linked up above. Check that one out after this one, or view that one first, come back and watch the rest of this video. All right, let's go ahead and dive into things. We're going to start with the NFL. They launched their own streaming service, NFL Plus. I don't have too, too much to say on this one. It is something that we've seen now from the NBA. We saw something from the MLB. Now the MLB is also partnered with Apple. Um, this is just something that we're going to continue to see over the course of time. These leagues come out with their streaming service, um, and that way they can directly profit, go direct to consumer. Everyone uses their cell phone to watch things now, especially you're at a party, you're at a restaurant, you're doing whatever. You just want to take your phone out, be able to watch the game. You can also download, I'm sure it'll be an app on you know, your smart TV. You can just download it. It's the future. It's the way that things are moving. It'll be able to give you access to live local and primetime regular season games, postseason games as well. If you're a fan of the NFL, this is a good thing for you. It also brought down the price of something they had previously, the NFL Game Pass. Um, it was $100 a year down to about 40 bucks a year now. It's a win-win, I think, really, for everybody. Now, something that is of bigger news, or I guess bigger relevance to the sway of the stock market, is this. The NFL Sunday Ticket partnership is up. DirecTV is no longer going to be the owner of the Sunday Ticket, and instead, they're shopping around. Now, they were looking for like a very, very pretty penny for this. Um, this is obviously a race for really the nation's largest sport. All eyeballs are always on football. It's kind of like a limited edition sport at the same time because they're only playing, I think, 17 games now, plus the playoffs. And so this is a really big opportunity for someone. Apple, Amazon, and Disney, all companies I'm invested in, are all kind of in the hunt for this. Now, again, like I mentioned, they're going to have to pay a pretty penny. Right now, DirecTV is paying $1.5 billion a year for this. And so I think the obvious answer of who can truly afford this the easiest, it's Apple. Um, but in reality, all of these companies would be able to swing something like this. The initial ask for this was extremely high. They were looking to get double what they're getting now, the 1.5 billion. They're looking to get three bill a year. They're not going to see that. I think the kind of current estimate is around $2 billion. All Amazon, Apple, and Disney have already put in offers for this. They haven't heard back yet. They're not concerned, but confused on to, or as to why it is taking so long. 
Um, really, the only other news that kind of goes along with this is that they're now going to have to basically charge about $300 for this. Uh, the bottom paragraph here reads, that means any owner of the Sunday ticket rights won't be able to significantly lower the price of the out-of-market package, which is around $300 per year. Um, and it also prevents something like if Disney does win this bid, like ESPN Plus is kind of looping it in and adding it to little or no cost. They can't do that as well. So they're going to have to pay um, a premium because it has to do with CBS and Fox. It's kind of out of their realm of control at this point. Obviously, this is good for all three of these companies because it's really going to boost whoever's streaming service this is attached to. Again, they got to pay a pretty penny for it, but you're getting a ton of eyeballs on your platform. Um, and really, these aren't like the big platforms if you think about this this isn't like a peacock or a, a netflix or a hulu um, this is either going to be espn plus which just saw a individualized price increase and is more sports geared so i think that's probably the best fit hypothetically of course Amazon, which does have some other partnership currently, I think it's Thursday Night Football um, with the NFL, so that is beneficial as well. Um, and Apple really just stepping into this sports scene would bolster their lineup of the MLB, MLS, and then the NFL. So very interesting, nonetheless, wherever this does sway, but let's go ahead and move on to the next story. 3M. This is one company I will talk about. I'm not going to comment on earnings. I'm going to comment on that in another video, but I'm just going to comment on this spin-off story that we've been seeing. A lot of businesses spinning off different divisions to different public companies, some in an effort to allow it to grow, some in an effort to really divest the business, that kind of more along the Kellogg's line. I'm trying to get rid of businesses that are not quite as profitable or are limiting the company in terms of being agile, in terms of the balance sheet, in terms of uh, management, in terms of you know attention span, whatever it might be resources. Um, maybe these divisions are fighting for more resources. Anyway, I digress. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I think I'm the minority here. There was someone who commented to me on Twitter about this. Actually, I made a post with the link uh, to this article and was just kind of commenting like, you know, what are your guys thoughts on this? Uh, someone said they're not a fan of it. And I agreed. I said, no, I'm, I'm not really a fan either. And the reason why is for some reason, I prefer really big, massive companies. I like that broad and diverse structure. I really liked Kellogg. They had a snacking division. They had their plant-based kind of growth division. And I like everything to be under one roof. And maybe that's because I feel a little bit more like I'm getting an ETF out of a company. I like that diversity as a stable, boring style dividend investor. Um, but at the same time, I do understand you know, shedding a poor performing asset or allowing the business to either grow without everything else attached to it or just to allow the core company to be more agile and so i get it but i'm not a huge fan of it really nonetheless kind of wanted to just share my opinion on that and also let you know another spinoff is coming to the stock market facebook meta i got some i got some beef with you okay um, Facebook, the parent or the, the meta company parent, Facebook, whatever you want to call it, they are raising the price of Quest. You kind of all know my opinion if you've listened to this show at any point uh, in the past. I'm not a huge fan of meta. Now, I do have a Facebook. I do have an Instagram. I did have a WhatsApp for school. I use their products. I understand their products are crucial to our economy, to our world, to the social media space. But I digress again. 
Quest price is going up by $100. The company made a comment saying, in order to continue investing and moving the VR industry forward for the long term, we will be adjusting the price of the MetaQuest 2 headsets, basically both, both of them up $100. Okay, I have really one big comment on this. This price increase could simply not come at a worse time. Okay, we're seeing pocketbooks tighten. We're seeing interest rate hikes go up. We're seeing people with less cash in their pocket. And you as a growing business want to raise the price by 100 US dollars. Consumers who are already not necessarily latching onto this idea, at least quite as quickly as I think people maybe thought that they would. Maybe people didn't think that. I don't know. Nonetheless, this just couldn't come at a worse time. And I don't really have too much to say other than that. I don't believe that VR is the future like some people do. I believe it will have utility. I believe it will be interesting, but I really do truly believe it is overhyped. And I do not see us all living in headsets in the future. And I'm curious to see or curious to understand if Meta could have raised prices by $25, $50, $75. What's the real reason for this $100 hike? We saw them lose a lot of money in Q1, okay? A lot of money in Q1. Reality Labs operated at a $2.96 billion loss, all right? And they operated at Another loss this quarter, I'll cover their earnings really quickly first, Meta as a company, $2.46 per share earnings versus the $2.59 expected, revenue with a slight miss as well, $28.82 billion versus the $28.94 billion expected, monthly after active users, pardon, pretty much in line with what we expected, slight beat on the daily active user side, um, average revenue per user, pretty much in line, one cent miss, not a big deal. Okay, whatever. I'm going to move past that. Here is the big kicker for me. It's going to be in this reality labs section of things. Okay. The division brought in $452 billion, I'm sorry, $452 million in revenue, not billion. That would be crazy. Million dollars in revenue. Okay. The division lost $2.8 billion. Now, I get it. Okay, I, I get it. I understand that the business can do this, that they have the resources to make this happen, but they didn't necessarily see a great quarter as a whole. I mean, they missed on earnings, they missed on revenue. Overall revenue fell 1% year over year, so they didn't generate as much money as they did the same time last year, and they issued weak guidance for Q3 moving forward. They also say that the projected revenue for this Reality Labs division less in the next quarter. That's with a $100 price increase to the headset. So if you're listening right now, I'm making a face into the camera. What is going on? Now, I would be fine with things if everything was moving fine and dandy with the rest of their business, but Instagram getting absolutely slammed in the media by massive celebrities for trying to basically turn their business into TikTok. Stop it. Just stop it. And this came out on Tuesday. I'm not even going to go through the article because a CNN article was released today, Thursday, that Instagram has already backed 
off of these updates because of criticism from, yeah, the Kardashians. It is not a good thing to not be unique. Facebook, although it was similar to MySpace, was a brand new revolutionary thing. I was so excited to get on it when I was younger. There was games on it. I know they moved away from that, whatever, but it it was a place to connect with people. And I think Instagram fit that description because it was a place to easily share pictures. It was all about the visual side. And I even think that the videos was a good addition. I think that reels as a whole was a actual good addition. But when you try to turn the home screen of a photograph app into TikTok using reels without anybody asking, there was not a single person in the world asking for Instagram to do what TikTok is. We all have both of them downloaded on our phones. We don't need you to copy them. Okay. We didn't need you to copy Snapchat. We don't need you to copy TikTok. They're making a living now off of directly copying other people's ideas. And I get it. It's a changing world and you have to keep up with times and innovate, but you're just being other things now. It's not unique. Your initial business was unique. Instagram by nature was unique, sharing only images with small captions on them. That was unique. You can add bigger images. You can allow it to fit better on the phone. You can add the shopping feature if you really want, which I think was probably poorly introduced anyways. You can add videos. That's all great and dandy. I know none of this has to do with with finance, but at the end of the day, finance, business, as a whole, it is... You have to have a good product behind what you're doing to profit and to make money and to be relevant in the world because really you need to be relevant. I mean, even companies like 3M are insanely relevant. That's why they make so much money. I mean, we use their face masks. We use their other products. I hang things up on my back wall with their tape, right? They are ingrained in our lives and the way that Instagram and Facebook and these other products are ingrained in our lives is great, but when new things come our way. You can't shy away from competition and just copy them. You have to do something unique. And they even said, oh yes, we need to be bold. We need to make change. You didn't make change. You just put it, you just copied someone else. You just, you literally, you were so ununique, you copy and pasted. You didn't even write your own essay going back to the school days, right? So enough about this. I'm rambling. I'm going off kind of on a tangent, but it, it Things don't look good to me. I understand long run, this is an advertising business. They're probably going to be okay. I'm sure at some point VR will slowly ramp up to a point where maybe they can make it profitable in the future. I still don't believe in it. I'm still not a huge fan of Meta. I will keep my indirect investment through the S&P 500, but I saw a tweet or something earlier. The market cap for this company has now dropped significant, significantly Pardon me, below many others like Visa, Johnson & Johnson, etc., it seems as if they're going away. It seems as if they're falling off a little bit. I'm just going to say it. I know, obviously, they're probably not going to go away for sure, but they're losing valuable people, and they're starting to lose a little bit more money, and they're generating 1% less money than they were previously. So enough on that. Let's go ahead and move on to something actually positive in this world. Gen Z is stashing away 14% of their income for retirement, which is more than older generations. Me as a young person, as a Gen Z myself, I absolutely love this. Now, I won't lie, I didn't quite go through the whole entire thing, but I just felt a sense of pride in this. Again, I know I am not the person directly influencing this, 
But being a Gen Z and, and being someone who is so interested in investing in business and finance and news and saving for retirement and being financially and fiscally responsible, I absolutely love this for not only everybody in this world, but for my generation as well. I think this is great. Anyone who's listening who is young, thank you for making it this far in the video, by the way. I'm glad you're taking an interest in this stuff. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and keep stashing away funds. You know, we're going to build a, a very solid base for ourselves in the future, speaking directly to Gen Z, really speaking to anybody. Um, stash some money away. You know, be proactive about it and build your retirement. All right. Let's jump into, I'm going to call this, I created my own name for this. I don't know if anyone else has ever done this or called it this, the triple A earnings. We have Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet. Let's go ahead and dive into these very quickly. First one is Amazon. They had a loss of 20 cents per share. Now, um, there was no consensus estimate on this one, really, because guesses were all over the place, quite frankly, um, really driven because of this big loss from the Rivian investment. So they did lose um, a pretty good share of money. They recorded a $3.9 billion loss on their Rivian investment. This, of course, after Rivian has plunged 49% in the second quarter, it brings their total loss on the investment to $11.5 billion. Because of this, they actually had an overall loss in this quarter of $2 billion, but in terms of the revenue side, $121.23 billion generated versus $119.09 billion expected, so a beat on the top line. They also beat with Amazon Web Services, which really drove all of their operating income um, and profit. Picking up that little tidbit here in the article, we could see... Where did it go? There we go. Amazon's cloud segment continues to hum along a 33% jump from a year earlier and operating income, which excludes this investment related loss, shrank from 3.3 billion to 7.7 billion that happened a year ago. Um, Amazon Web Services, $5.7 billion of operating income drove all of the profit. So good for Amazon. I'm curious at some point with all of this spinoff news with this kind of anti- um, anti-consolidation environment that we're in. I'm curious if Amazon Web Services is going to outgrow Amazon. Are they going to need to be spun off? Are they going to grow too powerful? What is going to happen? We talked a lot about that last week. Um, I'm not too sure. Nonetheless, pretty good report for Amazon. The stock was up, yeah, 13%, um, a really, really big after, after hours jump for the company. So looks good on their end. Apple. On the other hand, beat on both the top and the bottom line. It is noteworthy, though, um, something I'm going to get into that's a little bit ironic. Let me go through the numbers first, though. Uh, EPS, $1.20 versus $1.16 estimated. That is down 8% year over year. $83 billion in revenue, up 2%. A beat on iPhone revenue. Slight miss on services. That's going to be noteworthy here in a second. Um, a miss on other product, products revenue. A miss on Mac revenue and beat on iPad revenue and a beat on gross margin as well. Now, the big story here being China. They heavily rely on China. There wasn't as big of a drawdown in the China iPhone Apple game as was expected. They also moved through some supply chain issues a little bit better than they did expect. Um, it was a good it was a good quarter for Amazon, for Apple, excuse me. Um, however, 
The one thing that I did want to point out here, um, they're going to continue to see headwinds from China. They're going to continue to see the fact that they're heavily reliant on China, um, potentially with some foreign currency things as well. Uh, getting off topic of what I really wanted to mention, that's service revenue miss. billion versus 19.70 billion expected. Now, that is up 12% year over year, but people expecting big growth from this business, a lot of reoccurring revenue, it's really strong for Apple. Look at what happened. Look at what I got in my inbox slightly after earnings. Note the time. Apple earnings came out at 4.30 today. 4.30 Eastern Standard Time. And I got this email 17 minutes later at 4.47. Little suspicious, don't you think? For anyone who cannot see the image here, um, the price of Apple Music is going up. The old price was $4.99. I had the student pricing. It is now going to $5.99. A little bit suspicious, if you ask me. Um, Now, I do believe like it, this probably wasn't premeditated. I'm sure they weren't sitting there tweedling their thumbs going, or I'm sure it was premeditated. They weren't sitting there going, all right, earnings is going to come out. I wonder if people are going to react bad to our service revenue. If so, we're going to raise the prices. No, my guess is they had this projected out. They knew at some point they were going to raise the price as an investor within the company. I think this is good. Okay. Um, they're going to be able to generate more revenue from something like this. I do have iCloud as well. I know it's 99 cents a month. I'm not sure if that price is going to be going up. I didn't get an email for it yet, so I would assume not yet. My guess is at some point they could charge a little bit more for that iCloud storage, probably a bit more for those higher tiers, probably um, slightly more for those lower tiers. You don't want to outprice people who just want a little bit. I'm sure that a lot of people are like, eh, for 99 cents a month, I'll grab that extra 50 gigs of iCloud storage. Nonetheless, I'd be curious to see those kind of price increases there. Apple continues to hum along nonetheless. Google, if the article does want to load, Google missed on the top line driven by currency fluctuations. They also missed on the bottom line as well. Here we are back again. I think I'm lagging. I have so many things open right now. Um, The company with a EPS of $1.21 versus $1.28 that was expected. YouTube ads did see slower growth um, due to general ad spend being down. A lot of companies are beginning to cut back on ad spending as we see economic conditions tighten a little bit. Um, Revenue growth slowed 13% in the quarter from 62% a year earlier. These are just very, very tough comps back from a year ago when we were cruising along in the summer of 2021. So not a big concern for me here. Obviously with ad spend being down, pretty much all of the revenue being generated from ad spend, that is somewhat of a concern. Um, Google Cloud fell short in revenue expectations, is still continuing to lose money. This is a business for them, like Amazon Web Services, that could be really big in the future. It's just very, very hard to take market share from Amazon. Um, Microsoft Azure is out there too, but in reality, It's quite literally Amazon is absolutely dominating. Um, They also mentioned that they're not immune to economic headwinds. They are probably looking um, at hiring. I know Apple was a big one as well that said, look, we're not slowing or slowing, I'm sorry, hiring. We're not firing, but we are being very deliberate about who we do bring in. Advertising spending is going to 
probably continue to go down here over the next little while. So we will keep an eye definitely next quarter on Alphabet to see how things progress. But the AAA investments, I think over the long run, um, going to prove to be pretty good investments um, nonetheless. And lastly here, hopefully wrapping things up pretty quickly. I think this computer does not like the fact that I have 700 tabs open at once. Um, JetBlue finally won the battle for Spirit. This dates back, I don't even know how long at this point. Um, the other day, Frontier basically said, yep, nope, we're no longer, this deal's not going to work. Um, I don't. I think Spirit said that not going to happen. And JetBlue came in and swooped up Spirit Airlines. The big question here now, will it go through? Will the deal go through? Spirit Airlines did, of course, agree to sell itself. JetBlue is going to be paying $3.8 billion. I know they came out and said, we're going to revamp airplanes. They're no longer going to be those big yellow bananas flying in the sky. And instead, they're going to be turned into JetBlue planes, a little more sophisticated. They're going to have little screens on the inside, which are good for flyers. And they're also going to have the reclinable seats as well. Um, I'm very curious, though, what this is going to look like. The reason being, you have four companies that absolutely dominate the space with roughly 75% of market share. American Airlines, United, Delta, and Southwest. And now what's happening is you had two potential budget airliners combining. That was going to be Frontier and Spirit. They were going to create the mega budget airline. I made jokes about that very early on when this was all starting. It was going to be basically the worst airline ever because the two, by definition, worst airlines ever were going to combine. But the reality of the situation is, is you had diversity in who you could choose from, even in the budget range, which for consumers and competitiveness overall in that lower tier range was good. On JetBlue side of things, they are known a little bit more as a premium airliner. They're closer to American Delta and United and Southwest than they were to Spirit and Frontier. And for that reason, you are essentially, especially because they're getting rid of the color of the planes and revamping the inside, it seems as if they're no longer going to be an ultra budget airliner. And instead, they're going to just turn Spirit into JetBlue. So the question is, does the government let that happen? Does the government let JetBlue remove a budget option? My guess, no. I personally don't think they will. I think they're going to try to fight against it. Um, but if that happens, JetBlue states things will be more competitive if we win this and if we're able to do this merger. And the reason being, now we'll have five competitors instead of really just four, which I guess makes sense. But now Frontier will be left as the sole lone budget airliner. So let me know your thoughts down below in the comments. Let me know your thoughts on all of the stories that were covered over the course of this video. Thank 